Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. series called Apocalypse How, and it is going on forever, um, but all I hear from you people is, don't stop, please keep going, this is amazing, and the Lord is like, hey, uh, I didn't tell you to stop, I'm like, okay, uh, but the hate mail, Jesus, uh, anyway, he obviously is not concerned, I don't, he is not concerned with my reputation <laughs> or my inbox, so Amen. Today we're going, we're, I love it, it's funny, we're, this is part seven of this and the Lord is on it because we're going to talk about the seven sealed scroll today for part seven, I just think that's cute, you know, whatever, it just lined up that way, I didn't plan it, but I want to quickly just go over the purpose, if this is your first time, I want to make sure you know, the purpose is to break off fear of the apocalypse and to break through pride of the know-it-all. If you were afraid at the beginning of the series and you've been listening, I hope you're less afraid. If you were prideful at the beginning of the series, I hope you're less prideful. Um, I hope you've gained some uh, wonder and mystery for the book of Revelation because this is a very different way to look at it. Amen? Has this been different for anyone? Yeah, 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 it's good. So I want to go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, really quickly, uh, just to give just a little bit of anchor, because this is our, our, our method of uh, understanding here. It's the very first verse that says, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, right, who's him, Jesus, to share with his loving servants, who's that, you, what must occur swiftly, say swiftly. He signified it by sending his angel to his servant, John, his loving servant, John. So right here, we know this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's the same word, okay? That means Jesus is the one being revealed and what must occur swiftly through him and by him. It's not only Jesus being revealed, it's the work of Jesus. It's his ways. It's what he wants to do in his church. Amen. Amen. You're following me. So this is the unveiling of Jesus and those things which must, must occur swiftly. And he signified it by sending his angel. That word is simiano in the Greek, and it's miracle signs. It's the word for symbol. He put it in sign language. This book is written in sign language. And if you don't understand sign language, you won't understand this book. Amen. Furthermore, it goes on to say that blessed are those who read this book. That means happy. So if you aren't happy when you read it, you're reading it wrong. Amen. So... We're going to read all of chapter 5, and you're going to be very happy about it. <laughs> Revelation chapter 5, it's only 14 verses. Um, I'm only going to be able to teach one verse today, the first verse, but I'm going to read, preach the whole chapter, all right? I made up that term, I think, uh, read, preaching, where I read you, and then I stop, and I preach, and I read you, and I preach. So just buckle up. We're going to go through the whole chapter real quick, and then we're going to come back and talk about the very first verse, okay? Are you ready? Okay, just, just, you know, pray for your neighbor real quick and say, help him, Lord. Help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. Come on. Now pray for yourself, the one who really needs it, and say, help him, Lord. Help him, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. All right, Revelation chapter 5 says, Then I saw at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one 
in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I, this is John writing, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And the, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Here's the deal. John was weeping where there are no more tears. John was weeping where it's illegal to weep. Now, I know we are to weep with our sad friends and, you know, celebrate with our happy friends. That's true. But this word weep is despairing. He was despairing over the fact no one could open the scroll. He was entering a realm of hopelessness. Let me tell you something. Hopelessness is illegal in heavenly places. Guess where you've been seated, Ephesians 2.6, in heavenly places. Hopelessness is illegal for you and me. It's illegal. I'm not talking about feeling. I'm not, being, I'm not talking about being unemotional. I'm talking about being lacking hope. That's not legal for you. In fact, I have this thing. My wife says it's like a switch was flipped on and broken in the on position. You know, I have this thing where I don't, I have a hard time being hopeless. I, I just can't. And it's a hard time for, it's hard for me to be around hopeless people. <laughs> and it's hard for hopeless people to be around me for very long. Like if people want to be hopeless, they don't hang out with me. Okay. Because it's just, I have a hard time empathizing. It's like, I can't get there with you, man. I'll feel it. I'll pray with you. I'll be compassionate. But I can't step into hopelessness. I just can't. Like, it's not even a choice. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the hopeless button. It's gone. I don't know what to do. So I'm telling you, it's because the scroll has been opened over my life. And we're going to talk about that scroll opening today. But he says the elder rebukes John. You understand? This is the rebuke in heaven is for hopelessness. You will be rebuked by heaven when you despair. <laughs> heaven rebukes hopelessness. <laughs> Are you following me? He says, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That's why we're to weep no more because the lion of Judah has conquered. Amen? Amen. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. And right here, I want to pause. That word between is the word in the midst of. It's the same word for in the midst of the throne. So this lamb just kind of appears from the midst, just kind of like, just kind of comes out, okay, of this whole amazing scene in the throne room. It says, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, before I get hate mail about saying anything about more than one Holy Spirit or whatever, I'm just going to read it again slowly. Facebook, seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to that. You can't say there's seven spirits of God. I didn't. I read it. I mean, this is the stuff I deal with. <laughs> Just trying to help you appreciate me. Is Pastor appreciate Just trying to help you appreciate <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. I'm fine. My wife hears me cry about it, so she's, she's got me. It's good. Yes. In this moment, we see the Lamb of God, right, with seven eyes, seven horns. And then it says, he went, this, the Lamb, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Now get this, okay. Who is seated on the throne? 
Jesus, that's right. He is the one who has sat down at the right hand of the Father on the throne, enthroned on high. Amen. Jesus is God, so God is the right answer. Sunday school answers only right now. It's Jesus, the Bible, God. Yes, the right answer. Yeah. Jesus is seated on the throne. Now, Jesus is the lion. Amen. And he's also the lamb. Right? But it says a lamb walked up to him seated on the throne and took the scroll. So a lamb approached the lamb and took the scroll. Now, this is why taking the book of Revelation literally will break your brain, okay? It don't make no sense. These are symbols, sign language. Are you with me? Not to be taken literally. They have literal implications, real implications, but these symbols speak to deeper meanings, deeper things. Are you with me? And it says the lion conquered, but the lamb is the one who receives the scroll. Now, isn't that interesting? It says... You know, no one was worthy to, to receive the scroll. That was why John was weeping. And then the other said, no, 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 the lion has conquered. But then a lamb comes out and takes the scroll. What does this say? This says to me that in order to have the victory of the lion, you need the nature of the lamb. You know what spiritual warfare should look like in the natural? Patience. Kindness. When you're kind to someone who's unkind to you, the heavenlies are really violent. Angels and demons are clashing. Are you with me? The problem is we think we're supposed to look angry and violent and mean while having spiritual warfare. No, it looks like joy when you should be weeping. <laughs> That's what releases the angelic activity over your life. They are violent. We're violently fruitful. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Amen? To have the victory of the lion. Somebody needs to hear this. I'm going to slow it down. To have the victory of the lion, you don't roar. You have the nature of the lamb. Are you with me? Gentle. Easy to be led. A lot of Christians are more lion-like than they are lamb-like. You need the victory of the lion, but you only get it with the nature of the lamb. Okay. When he had taken the scroll, the lamb, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp with golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They fell before the lamb in worship. Now, that is worshiping a lamb. If you take this literally, you're saying that a fluffy barnyard animal that looks like it was slain with seven eyes and seven horns should be worshipped. We don't worship creation. We worship creator. Amen? Amen. So this lamb signifies Jesus. It symbolizes his victory. He went to the, the cross like a lamb. He didn't fight. He accepted it. He laid down his life. Are you with me? Yes. So this when it says that they worshipped him, this is important. We don't worship a a barnyard animal, right? Right? People want to take certain parts of the book of Revelation literally. I just want to have one methodology all the way through, one modality. I just want to take one interpretive model from start to finish, okay? So I call it symbolic. This is all a submission done in humility. I believe I'm absolutely right about this, but I could be wrong. I believe what I'm telling you is the absolute truth, and I could be wrong. Is that fair? Yeah, it's called humility, actually. I'm just confident in what God's shown me. It's the truth, but I could be wrong. 
You're like, wait a minute. Uh, I would rather you think you can't be wrong. Well, that's called pride. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. So it says they had the harp, golden bowls of incense. That's talked a lot about in church uh, in charismatic circles and stuff, talking about filling the bowls, right, our incense of our prayers. It says, which are the prayers of the saints, and that's good. But there's this, I just want to break a misconception. There's a misconception that the more we pray, the more the bowls will tip. That's not what it says. It says, because the lamb received the scroll, the bowls tipped over. They bowed down and laid, they worshiped before the Lord. They poured their bowls out. That's what's going on here. The bowls don't tip because you pray more. The bowls tipped because he conquered they already were tipped. I'm trying to help you pray prayers that God can actually answer. Here's one he can't answer. Open the heavens. You say, did it. <laughs> Pour out the bowls of incense. Did it. Created me a clean heart. Did it. It's like, my angels are really bored, bro. Would you pray something that we can actually answer? <laughs> Come on, it's either unbelief or ignorance, your choice. Either you didn't know the heavens were open or you don't believe they are. Either you didn't know the bowls were tipped or you don't believe they are. It says that they were laid down, they poured out, they gave worship to the Lamb. And it says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Say on the earth. Ah, <sighs> well, here you go. It's not thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven so that I get off of earth. Listen, this escapist theology thing creates a vacuum in society where you and I do not occupy until he returns. We just wait to get rescued out, and then we see other people occupy realms of influence. Here's what I'm saying to you. If you believe that this is all going to burn and you're going to get beamed up before it does, you're not occupying until he comes because there's no point in planting something that's going to burn up. I'd like to submit to you that that also is not literal. Heaven and earth. This heaven, this earth will pass away. But it's not a rescue mission. It's a restoration project. We're to restore the earth. We're to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it says the meek will inherit the earth. You know, Jesus said that. Heard of that guy? Jesus? It's kind of the word. The meek will inherit the earth. That sounds like a raw deal if the earth is going to burn up. You tell me I'm going to inherit it, and then you're going to set it on fire. <laughs> Maybe your earth is going to pass away. Maybe your issues are going to be restored. Maybe a new heaven, a new earth is coming. It says they shall reign on the earth. Kingdoms of priests, royal priesthood. Are we not a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession? We're to reign on the earth. Jesus told a parable about the tenants, and he gave them land and all that stuff, and he said, occupy until I return. Listen, you need to occupy until he returns. We believe he's returning, but first he's going to come through us before he comes to us. He's going to come through his church before he comes to his church in bodily form. You need to occupy. Some of you are called to government. Please go run for office. <laughs> You're like... Don't get political. I'm talking about being influencers in the earth. We need praying people in office. 
Do I have to get, like, outright, straight up, like, brass tacks with you? Like, you don't like the options for voting? Then somebody else needs to run. You're complaining about the lesser of two evils? Well, where are you at? <laughs> you don't like the education system? Go run it. Occupy until you return. We shall reign. We should be reigning on the earth. I know I'm right. It's a good word. <laughs> I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. Don't complain about the vacuum and someone else doing your job poorly. Just stand up into your destiny and do the thing God called you to do. I got to say, like the foster care system. Stop complaining and get in it. Fix it. Do it. We plan to. The Lord gave us a vision. Man, I do not. I should not. Lord, Holy Ghost, I should not share this right now. Yeah, I guess I should. I don't. Hold on. Just having a conversation with the Lord here. This is like less than a week old, but the Lord gave Pastor Scott and I a vision to transition at-risk foster care student kids coming out of foster care into healthy, independent living. Gave us a vision for a transition program where if they graduate the program, we take them in, we shelter them, we, they graduate the program, that we'll pay their first and last month rent. Or, yeah, to get into an apartment the first and last month, right? We'll give them job skills. We'll get them transportation. We'll get them, a, you know, placed in a community. We're going to do it. And that is so new that I have no business telling you about that. But we're going to do that. I'm going to buy that 17 acres down the road. We're going to use at least five acres to create, like, like New York-style apartments. I'm talking about room, bed, bath, all that. And these kids... That are, they get, you know, if they age out of the foster care system, they get dropped on the street with a bag. That's it. They age out, it's over. We're going to take the aged out ones and transition them into healthy, independent living. So, amen. That's raining on the earth. That's raining on the earth. And please, connect with us if you have a heart for that. We are going to need some help, all right? I have no time for any of this. They shall reign on the earth. Say, on the earth. Those, I'm going to get messed up right now. I don't even want to make it through the rest of this. Those are our kids, man. Those are our kids. Those are our orphans. They're our orphans. We're, whew, this is angry, Caleb. You're looking at angry, Caleb. This is angry, Caleb. I'm trying right now. Stop getting mad at the government for doing a poor job that was assigned to you. That's what I'm trying to say to you, church. <laughs> it's our problem. You know, 10% of those who age out commit suicide every year. 15,000 age out every year in the United States. 15,000. Whole bunch of them trafficked, whole bunch of them homeless, whole bunch of them unemployed, all that. That's our problem. We're going to solve it. That's our problem. That's what it means to reign on the earth. I'm just going to keep reading now. Amen. You can say amen. Say, Lord, do it. Through us, Lord, do it. And now I'm going to go really fast. <laughs> it says, then I looked and I heard around the throne 
and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, and numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, thousands of thousands. Think of this in, in heaven. Hundreds of millions of voices, all right, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory, or honor and glory and blessing. If you don't like loud worship, you're going to hate heaven, man, because that's what's happening up there, all right? You're like, it's too loud. I'm like, this is just training. It's just training. It's deafening. It's crazy up there. It's a party all the time. Amen. It says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Now, let's jump back to the only verse I'm going to teach on today. Revelation 5.1 says, I saw the one seated on the throne was holding in his right hand, say his right hand. An unopened scroll, say unopened, with writing on the inside and on the outside. Say the inside and the outside. It was sealed with seven seals. Say seven seals. Now, let me give you a little history lesson. The ancient people and the Jews would use cow hide or animal hide to make their scrolls. Okay? Moses wrote on a cow hide for the first Torah scroll. All right? The parchment, a common parchment in John's day was sheepskin for the scroll. It is possible that John saw a scroll made of sheepskin written on the inside and the outside. We have a lamb approaching the lamb and taking a sheepskin scroll from the hand of the lamb. It's a whole bunch of lamb, okay? I would like to submit to you, and this is my entire point today. If I can get this one thought in there for your consideration. I'd like to submit to you that you are the scroll. I'd like to submit to you that we are the scroll, the sheep skin scroll written on the inside and the out, sealed seven times. I'll prove it to you. First and foremost, anytime they wrote a letter in Bible times, it was in a scroll. You guys understand that? It's not like our letters today, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3 says, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and says, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all, inside and out. And you show that you are a letter, a scroll, from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul called the church a scroll, a living epistle, the King James says. Read by all men, written on their hearts, inside and outside. I believe Paul was talking about the seven seal, sealed scroll right there. I want to show you, did you know there are seven mentions of the people of God being sealed in the New Testament? That's either a coincidence or it's not, okay? There are seven mentions. I'm going to give them all to you today really fast. <laughs> all right? But I want to mention this word seals is actually, it means to seal with a signet ring or other instrument to stamp. Okay? But it means to attest ownership, authorizing or validating what is sealed. All right? The seal would not just be a, something to keep it together. It authorized what was written inside. Okay. Okay. You're getting me. It signifies ownership and full security carried by the backing and full authority of the owner. 
Okay, that's what a seal meant. It meant that this thing is backed by the one the market carries, right? It would be a certain ring with a name on it or a face, and the person who is on that seal authorizes it, validates it. Did you know that you are Christ's ambassador? Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is the one who carries the full backing authority of the one who has sent them. Come on. Sealing in the ancient world served as a legal signature, which, get this, guaranteed the promised contents of what was sealed. Meaning if it's sealed, it's promised that what is written here will come to pass. Now I'm going to give you the seven seals of the Holy Spirit. They're in no particular order, all right? But there are six of them outside the book of Revelation, and the seventh is the mark of Christ, okay? I'm going to go really fast, okay? Can you listen quick? <laughs> okay. Number one, the seal of inheritance, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Same word as in the book of Revelation. Who is the, get this, guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What does a seal do? It guarantees whatever's written inside this is the seal of inheritance. You're sealed. It's guaranteed you're going to get your inheritance. The Lord has given you an inheritance in the faith, and it's yours, all of it. In fact, it says all things are yours. All things. Seal of inheritance. Are you seeing this? Yes? Okay, number two, the seal of righteousness out of Romans 4.11. This is speaking of Abraham, but it will make sense in just a second. It says, Abraham, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. I'm going to stop there. It just says that he, see, he received it as an external seal, a sign, a seal of righteousness. Now, that's just Abraham. You might say that's just Abraham. Well, did you know that we were spiritually circumcised when we were baptized? That's what happened. Colossians 2, 11 through 12 says, In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Spiritual circumcision is removing the flesh. The sin nature was removed. I'd love to break it to you. If you're trying to die to your flesh, you're shouting at a foreskin that's already been removed. I'm going to die to you today. I'm going to crucify you today. If you don't believe you're righteous, you're attempting to sew a foreskin back on. Both of those are just nasty. Don't do it. <laughs> You're like, he can't talk like that. <laughs> this verse, when it says the uncircumcision or the circumcision of your flesh, it's the word, it's the Greek word foreskin. I'm just getting biblical. It says the removal of the body of the flesh, it's the removal of the foreskin. That's what it says. Don't get mad at me, okay? Like, that's not age appropriate. Well... Our middle schoolers are with Jimmy, you know, and watch the live stream at your own risk. All right. That's the seal of righteousness. If you've been spiritually circumcised, you are righteous right now. You receive righteousness as a gift. You aren't right because you do right. You'll never be right because you do right. You'll only be right if you receive his righteousness. 
Amen? Okay, it's seal of righteousness. Third, the seal of forgiveness, Ephesians 4.30. says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. This speaks of how our redemption is tied to our forgiveness and how we should treat and forgive others. Let me tell you how to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's not ending your gathering or church service on time. That's not grieving the Holy Spirit. You know what's grieving the Holy Spirit? Bitterness, wrath, anger, slander. When you're not tenderhearted, when you refuse to forgive, that grieves the Holy Ghost. You're like, the Holy Spirit was moving. How did you stop the worship? That grieved the Holy Spirit. I'm like, you know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Your face right now, all right? You are bitter and angry, and that grieves the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've been told these things. Caleb, you're grieving the Holy Spirit by not letting the Lord just move. And I'm like, the Lord gave me an assignment. I'm obeying him. We'll worship and we'll have the word every single weekend until he says otherwise. <laughs> the grieving of the Holy Spirit is the opposite of this. Like, you know, if you're bitter, you're angry, all that. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. The reason this is called the seal of forgiveness is because if you can't forgive, guess what you'll be? Bitter, angry, full of wrath, slandering. You won't be tenderhearted. You can't be kind. Forgiveness is a big deal. In fact, Jesus said, whoever you forgive, I forgive. Seal of forgiveness. Number four, the seal of establishment, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. It says, and it is God who establishes us, us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put a seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This is the firm planting and establishment of God. To be established means you cannot be moved. It means that no matter what comes, you are planted firmly, right? The righteous do not fear bad news, the book of Proverbs says, right? We are those who the winds and the waves come against us, but we're good no matter what, right? Firmly planted. The seal of establishment being broken open in your life means you're established no matter what. Are you with me? Okay, I got to keep going. The seal of sonship, number five, John 6, 27, says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. This is the seal of the Father, the seal of sonship. Now, this happened at Jesus' baptism. Amen? When he was baptized and came out of the water, their voice came from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was the seal of the Father. And because we are in Christ, we also are children of God, and we have the seal of sonship upon us. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Number six, the seal of ownership. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, but God's firm foundation stands Bearing this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. This is the seal of possession and ownership, all right? The Lord knows who are his, and when we know that we are the Lord's, we are to depart from iniquity. We are to turn away from wicked ways. We are to walk in the ways of holiness. Amen? The seal of ownership, because you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are not technically free to do whatever you want. You, it is for freedom Christ set us free, but do not use your freedom as a reason to indulge yourself, but rather serve one another, right? It's not about you, even though he's all about you. It's about you growing and maturing and learning to love. I'm learning to love. How about you? 
I'm learning to love. Amen. So the seal of ownership means, yeah, I'm the Lord's and I act like it. Are you with me? <laughs> Number seven, finally, the seal of God. Revelation 7, 2 says, then I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun with the seal of the living God. And he called out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea. We're going to stop there. Basically, that angel goes through and marks those who belong to the Lord. This is not the only time this seal is mentioned. It's all the way back in Ezekiel. You remember that fun book? Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 3 through 4 says, Now the glory of the Lord, God of Israel, had gone up from the cherub, and on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen, which is a Hebraic term for angelic being, man clothed in white, man clothed in linen, who had the writing case at his waist. I don't know, I'm having a hard time reading this right now. And the Lord said to him, pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over the abominations that are committed to, in it. So those who groan and are upset over all of the sinfulness going on, mark them, seal them with the seal of the living God. That's the mark of Christ. Everybody's talking about the mark of the beast. I hear very few people talking about the mark of Christ. You actually are sealed with the mark of Christ. <laughs> it's in there. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but don't think of a seal like this. Imagine this is a scroll, my microphone right here. Don't think of seven seals horizontally. No, no, no. That's not how they did it. They would write some on the scroll, roll it, and seal it. Write some more, roll it more, and seal it. Write some more, roll it more, and seal it. So the seals would be inside of the scroll. And then you would break open one part, and part would be revealed. And then you break over the next part, and the next part would be revealed. And only what you were authorized to read was what you were allowed to break open. Are you with me? So let's do a little recap here, and then I'm going to bring it home for you. Here, the seven seals recap. The seal of inheritance, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, right? The seal of righteousness, the seal of forgiveness, the seal of establishment, the seal of sonship, the seal of ownership, the seal of God. Gigi, can you come help me? These seals, these seals being broken open signify the Holy Spirit breaking out in us. These seals, we're going to read, we're going to keep going in the book of Revelation the next couple weeks. Like the first seal opens and it releases one of the horsemen. The next seal opens and it releases the next one. There's the first four, is the first four horsemen. And then there's martyrs crying out from under the altar for the fifth seal. And then the sixth seal, an earthquake and celestial signs. And then the seventh seal releases silence in the heavens. Okay? And we're going to go through all that, but this is what I need you to hear. These seals breaking open begin the judgment portion of the book of Revelation. Now get this. If you are the scroll and you are the one that's sealed seven times with the Holy Spirit... Guess who is being judged in this book? That's right, brother. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, judgment begins in the house of God. Everybody's like, judgment is coming. Yeah, for the church. You know what he's judging? He's breaking you open, seal by seal. He's saying, are you walking in your inheritance or are you squandering it like a prodigal? He's saying, do you believe me that you're righteous, that my work makes you righteous? Will you let me break open the seal of righteousness and let you read what's inside? 
He's saying, are you forgiving as you've been forgiven? The seal of forgiveness. Some of you are in physical pain because you refuse to forgive. I'm telling you right now, you forgive them, your pain will go. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's not every time. I'm just saying some of you, and you know who I'm talking to. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Seal of forgiveness needs to be broken open in the church. The church needs to learn to forgive. Amen? We have no right to not forgive. We've been forgiven so much. The Lord wants to break open the seal of establishment, and he's judging whether or not you will stay firmly planted and established in him when trouble comes. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. Will you be established in times where it shouldn't happen, naturally speaking? That's the seal of establishment being broken open. Some of you already have some of these seals being broken open, but I'm trying to rip a few open this morning. All right? The seal of sonship. Are you walking in union with the Son? Are you walking in the full maturity of the measure of the stature of Christ? Are you walking as a child of God? He's bringing judgment to you and I, not with wrath. Because all the wrath has been poured out on Jesus. The only wrath in the book of Revelation is the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. Let me give you a clue. Lambs are not wrathful. It's not the wrath of the lion. It's the wrath of the Lamb. He's judging these things. Do you bear the seal of ownership? He says, yes, you do. Can I break it open? Can I break it open so that you walk in a way that says, I belong to another. I belong to someone else. Walking in holiness. Some of you need that seal ripped wide open today. And you need to ask the Lord, break open the seal of ownership that I might depart from iniquity and walk in your ways. Amen. The seal of the living God. That's the mark of Christ. That's where it's obvious that you are an anointed one. You can't even hide it. It is beyond hiding at this point. All right. And it's not about having long hair and a beard and having like that look you look like jesus no i'm talking about you cannot hide the kindness and mercy and love of god you can't help yourself you move towards the broken not away that's the seal of the living god being broken open in your life amen would you stand up we're gonna sing a one last song we're gonna say that he is worthy of it all we're gonna say he's worthy to break open the seal but just real quick, put your hand on your head, on your heart somewhere, and say, Lord Jesus, break open the scroll. Come on, pray for yourself. Pray like, you, like your life depends on it. Break open this scroll, Lord Jesus. Rip open the seals. Rip them open that I might display the goodness and glory of God. Break them open, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, judge me. Come on. This is, a, this is an appropriate prayer for the church. Judge me, Lord. Show me where I'm not walking in everything you gave me. Show me where I'm not walking in my inheritance. Show me where I'm not walking in sonship. Break me open. Rip open the seals. Break open the scroll. Only you are worthy, Lord. Only you are worthy. Come on, tell them that out loud. Only you are worthy. Only you are worthy to open the scroll, Lord Jesus. We bless your name in this place, and we say you are worthy of it all. Come on, let's sing it together. For from him are all things, and to him are all things. He deserves the glory. He's worthy. Come on, you're worthy of it all, Lord Jesus. Tell him.
deserve. Come on. You deserve the glory. Come on, you living letters, you living epistles, one mighty voice. us up. Break open, Holy Spirit. Break open and break out, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.